0: Okay, let's get started welcome back to the hot politics lab meeting and as you can see we're uh, back in uh, our familiar room uh, so today we're a teaching activity and our teacher today <laughs> is uh, <Natalie> Geek. <laughs> from the uh, university of geneva and uh, she is uh, currently uh, well a visiting uh, professor here at the university of amsterdam although Visiting has mostly been uh, uh, staying at home, staying at another home, a new home in the Netherlands. Uh, occasionally visiting the beach, and uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I definitely hope to see see more of you, uh, Natalie, here in the, the, the other semester that uh, that you're here. Um, let me briefly uh, introduce uh, Natalie uh, before we uh, we get started, because we we go by, uh, It's really nice to have you, Natalie, because we go back a long time and uh, uh, like me you have uh, you have you've started to work uh, on on welfare working on welfare state politics transitioning to party politics and now also transitioning towards uh, uh, trying to integrate more of a political psychology uh, uh, perspective so it's really uh, remarkable how uh, how we've had uh, similar uh, trajectories through the uh, different uh, political science uh, niches uh, and so uh, I'm really curious what uh, you will present today, which has much more of a focus on inequality, which has also been a big theme of your uh, work in the last few years. And um, yeah, without further ado, I want to give you the virtual space.
1: Thank you, Hi For this kind inclusion. it's a pleasure to be here. Unfortunately, only uh, virtual, but we'll see. Uh, hopefully, I'll yeah present, and we can have a beer and discuss. Uh, this uh, research and other topics uh, soon in person again so um this is um if you mention my my um, roots in uh, social policy uh, this probably kind of this research project this part of a research project of mine looking at the inequality perceptions of inequality and then how uh, consequences of them and this kind of tries to combine probably a bit or goes back to my roots um in social policy, but taking a, a different um, perspective um, on them and i'm especially happy to present this work today, because it takes a lot it, it gets a lot inspired by the psychology work. Um, and tries to yeah, uh, incorporate that into this uh, perception in this more um, political economy framework, I should also mention, especially uh, to welcome Elisa Volko, who's among the attendees um, my quarter. Uh, at from the university of geneva currently i guess in in Zurich um, um, but uh, that's in the, the nice thing about being virtual know that people can join from different um, different venues around the world okay so what we're interested in here is um looking at uh, how people perceive inequality and if there is some um, distortion according to ideology so why are interested in perceptions of being we're interested in, um, you know, in these topics, so um, there's increasing levels of economic inequality we have witnessed around the world. Of course, especially in the US, but also in European countries, there's um, a famous uh, quote of Barack Obama calling it the defining challenge of our times. Um, but despite these rising levels, we have actually haven't really seen much for uh, the action against it. Um, uh or kind of against this, this this phenomenon um there's some uh, literature trying to explain that um of course the, the classical folk economy work would, um, would kind of have this well, postulates this automatic process not to have uh, once inequality is rising people then Uh, Increase the demand for redistribution um, and they uh, vote for parties and this kind of gets them balanced themselves. This is not really what we see. Uh, There's some structural barriers, probably, you know, the kind of social democratic democratic parties and so on. Uh, But there's also a growing literature showing that probably people are not really good in this uh, task of perceiving inequality. And of course, if we assume. Um, that people don't really get it right, no, don't catch the state of the of reality, then this will also have consequences on their demand for this or on their distribution preferences, but then also for the party uh, they, they choose to vote for and, and so on. Um, so, so, the whole uh, chain is spoken from their side, and this is actually, the, this is really the focus uh, we take here, so how, um, yeah, how distorted are these views and can we, and um, is there maybe also a political aspect to this. And also the idea that some people um, or some groups um, get it better get the reality better than others um yeah so just to um, start uh, a quick uh, comic to showcase the situation so this is also uh, maybe I can say that already here this is also to so, to say that inequality to get inequality rights you no know, as a concept is not an easy task for citizens it involves quite some Cognitive, no. You have to you have to get two sides right, not the, the rich and the poor, and you have to make a relation somehow. So that's not something easily observable, uh, something that you yeah, it's easy to see for people probably. Yeah. So the research question we ask is: There an ideological bias? Does it translate? And I have something because I the, the the original title was had also something on elites. I would have something to say on elites, but let's see if uh, we still have the time for that. Otherwise, I can also simply leave that out. The part, but it's also it's part of the research project. Um, as well. Okay, so first, um, yeah, with, there's some evidence, uh, probably not on not with the best uh, measures ever. So I will come back to this point um, uh, later on when I present our data. Um, but there's some evidence that no matter how you um, ask questions about um, the degree of actual macroeconomic inequality. People don't really get it right. No, this is, as I said, probably um, probably not, not very uh, surprising because we know that it's, it's yeah, so you have to get several concepts right and relate them to each other. Um, the the so the, the literature addressing why it is the case, or try to, to find solutions for this, uh, is um, is quite focused on 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 the implicit assumption. That this is basically simply a lack of information. Also, in the especially in econ perspective, if we just would inform these uh, ignorant people, they would get it right, and then they would, the whole chain would, would work again. Um, so it's kind of a neutral, I call it a neutral lack of information as mechanism. And what they try to do then, what this literature shows, I try to do then is then simply in a survey experimental fashion give them some information. Oh, this is kind of this is how the U.S. Uh, performs in terms of inequality. This is where you stand actually, not uh, in, in the income distribution. Um, so you're rich or you're poor, or your inequality is large or sort of smaller than what you actually had in mind. Um, the, um, the, there's a recent meta-analysis by a team at the OCD, and Manuel Chani and others, um, and they show that actually the information treatments show very limited effects um, on, so they, they the, the what they do, they, they raise the, the concerns for inequality, but they have very little, um, very little effect actually on, on redistribution preference. This for me and to us actually shows two things, so first probably it's not the, the picture is more complex, no simply the information might have um, different effects, no, on, on kind of the, on the di- depending on the direction um, you get, no? that if you learn that you're poor, that has made a different effect, and if you learn then actually you're richer than, than what um, you thought, um, and second, um, that probably the um, or that one um, aspect that's not addressed at all in this literature is the question why they then lack the information or what um, what doesn't motivate or why they not motivate no, to learn about this um, about this effect. And probably there's also a, a, a variation there, know that some people are more likely to incorporate this new information into uh, their uh, um <laughs> into their thinking than than others. Um, so we in this uh, in this uh, work we take a different perspective when we say you're probably kind of in in this situation of um, of a difficult task to answer people will probably just rely on heuristics when having to to form perceptions of um, of inequality uh, and probably uh, kind of this is a fast no less less cognitive involvement needed uh, and if you just rely on uh, ideological beliefs it's something also quite accessible probably in people's mind. Um there's this so the we say this probably the um it's just it's not just a neutral um, lack of information, it's probably something with a bias and, and especially the and ideological um, distortion can happen also uh, have a direction, or no, it's not just neutral. Um so we argue that ideological beliefs is probably the one they rely on. Um there's some work showing that um uh, for example study by say Boudou and Mackenzie um for Californian sample, they show that if you if you tell them kind of, if you give them partisan cues um, to start with, they heavily rely on them when answering uh, questions about facts of inequality. Um, yeah, so what we do then in, um, or what I try to do now is so first, um, giving you some reasons why they, it would make sense or you expect that ideology um, plays into the answers, uh, answers to economic facts. Um, and then um, a second, uh, second step of the argument is then to say, that uh, could there be, could some ideological groups be, be less or be more or less distorted, no? So first, why should um, ideological um, beliefs or ideology as such uh, be related as an easy heuristic? So, um, a, so the, um, we know from um, psychological work, but also from more political science um, work, that no inequality or the acceptance and rejection of inequality, the desire for inequality, uh, is a central, uh, is central to the concept of left right ideology uh, you can argue that from the uh, psychology aspect um, as host or from a more um, yeah, classic vocal theory um, aspect and of course the um, people are more likely to incorporate uh, information that kind of fits this worldview you know um, so um, and probably a third reason could be you know, that the um beliefs are quite uh, quite um, accessible in in all situations, now so people can, or almost everybody can, um, position themselves on the left-right scale. Okay. Then, second um, step of the argument, which is a bit more complex, is then to say that could it be that certain groups or the certain groups are more wrong than the others? No. so the um, the idea being that um, ideology doesn't not only um, conditions the link or kind of conditions what you answer, but also the kind of the the, the link uh, between ideology. Um, and perceptions. And here uh, again, some psychological literature saying, uh, telling us that no, there could be this uh, psychological work saying that different cognitive styles could be uh, could be a reason, or no, that liberals um, or conservatives prefer a more simple answers, so they would not engage more highly in this cognitive effort. There's um, the whole literature on sus- system justification, um, which states that conservatism is, a- is associated with a more status quo rationalization. So this would probably uh, tell us that conservatives are better in kind of uh, getting the status quo or the current situation right um this recent um a recent study by waltzvogel are showing that actually could be um oh, the ideological beliefs in, in this uh, in this case um egalitarian beliefs um actually having an effect already more upstream so that people, people don't even notice um inequality in in their in their environment, uh, so that now that uh, writing people they don't even notice, um, so there could be a kind of attentional uh, mechanism at play. Um, So what this literature tells us that there could there could be reasons to say to argue that there are distortions, but it's not really clear in which direction. No, it's not. um, So some the system classification would say that uh, that uh, writing people would be better in, in the in the task. While this upstream, while the kind of the wild upstream attentional mechanism would co- tell us that the left would be better in, in perceiving inequality correctly. So, what we um, do, um, we simply um, go on the safe side and, um, and state competing hypotheses uh, in, in both directions. Or it could be that left wing uh, individuals uh, uh, com- see that as uh, have more distortions, or it could be the other way around. Um, so this is the hypothesis on the general picture of inequality, um, kind of the, you know, the, the, the macroeconomic inequality. A second um, aspect uh, in this redistribution puzzle is, of course, then the own position. or you, know? you have to know of the, the degree of macroeconomic inequality, but then you also have to know where you stand yourself. And this is um, the second. So we have information on this as well, and here we simply base ourselves on some literature um, on on on. on um, uh uh characteristics of left-wing people they more likely or they have more stronger uh incentives probably to underestimate their own position especially if they you know from higher um, higher income brackets yeah so this is third hypothesis um as i mentioned in the beginning we be then interested also in how this travels on so kind of the consequences um the biased perceptions have on, on support for resolution and simply here to say that there's a literature out there say, is suggesting that perceptions uh, and this is what we base ourselves on you know it's all about how the subjective um perceptions how that these matter more than objective um conditions for to explain demand for the resolution uh, being the perceptions uh, perceptions of inequality in macroeconomic inequality on the one hand but also perceptions of the own position on the other and this is uh, then just a hypothesis on this uh, trends uh, on this traveling on downstream effects. Okay, um, so this <laughs> what we have as data is a new a new data set that I collected together with uh, Jan Jonas Pontusen, uh at the University of Geneva. So we uh, merged two, um, two um, project um, resources uh, he had and he had in hires ERC. I have a, a Swiss National Science Foundation grant, and so we decided to survey 13 countries, so 14 actually. So the UK, the US as well, but this is uh, m- missing um here. Um so we have um, la- um 2000 respondents in these 14 countries, um, and we have a set of um of variables that pertain directly to these perceptions. Um, um yeah, so the on the one hand, um we have a new or we call it innovative measure of part of, of inequality. Um, I will tell you about this in a minute. Um, and then we also have the own position. What, um, yeah, so the, these, um, as I said, you know, it's a difficult task to actually get people's perceptions of uh, how they see inequality. The literature um, has struggled with that, with how to best measure that, and there has not, um, uh, also ours is not probably not the final solution, but um, what has been done before is not to showcase kind of uh, some um some graphical display of societies and then just saying like which of the type do you think the country is most likely to be uh, there has been some um some work on shares know how much uh, what's the share of the total income that's owned by the rich or by the poor um, what we um um but this was also not really what we we thought what people would really actually do when asked about this so what we decided to do is ask about money directly, about wages directly, <laughs> and, and, and ask about these wages uh, uh, in, a, in a way that allows us also to combine it then to the actual degree of inequality. So what we uh, try to get at, we, we ask um, citizens in the surveys, what's your, uh, what's your guess, or the which households, or the 90th percentile, or the are in median household, and what a poor household earns. You can do the task uh, for the Dutch uh, case if you want to it's not an easy one I agree but this is kind of this is what we asked them and then they had to give the um, just the, the, the euros now these people earn and this is allowed us then to calculate the um, perceived ratio no, between the, the poor and the rich household this is what we get um, the um, there's of course less so the 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 um, the ratio is actually kind of at one or zero at least it's truncated you know because you can't it can't be the other way around but we also see that there's a kind of a peak uh, people are kind of or a larger people are kind of sure what they or uh, kind of agree on how inequality looks like but then there's a long tail of people just giving some very high estimates especially for the rich you know so that the, the richest household would earn I know a million uh, but the 90th uh, percentile household that doesn't really live in none of these countries. Um, so this is, yeah, I, this is just uh, overall perceptions uh, um, across all countries, what we then, um, as a second, or you know, what we most interesting is, the, is this, this distortion, so the under or overestimation. So we simply kind of um, confront the, these perceptions with the with reality, with objective um, data on the um, average earnings of these households, and what you get then is now is a distortion, um, so here would be the, the kind of, this is the correct, um, uh, correct perception, Then you have people underestimating and people overestimating um, inequality. Um, and same exercise we then do for this, uh, where you would locate yourself, uh, we simply ask how the kind of the percentage of households that are poor or richer then your own household, um, and again we get a distribution that shows that people underestimate um, their uh, position, citing uh, also the the mean uh, is likely to the right here. Okay, so this is um, just uh, give you an idea of kind of how these perceptions are measured. Um, we then have the, of course, the in, most important independent variable is the left-right self-position. And then have a bunch of controls. Um, Yeah. So this first uh, result simply showing you that there is some uh, link between ideological beliefs and how people perceive or how uh, they see these economic facts. Um, So if you're more left wing, you perceive inequality will be higher, and you're more right wing. Um, Then um, if we go to the, the distortion, so the overall underestimation. Uh, also um, here uh, we get into the no, um, whether left or right are actually uh, better in getting it, and you clearly see um, or the interpretable. So the interpretation is here that you no, know, the, the more the more downwards you are on this graph, the better you're actually in guessing um, inequality. Because zero or one would be the, the correct version, and you clearly see that the white people are better in getting uh, facts right. Um, And that also holds to for their own position because here the as as I mentioned before now the the bias um, as such is negative, so people underestimate. But then uh, the closer you come to zero, the better you get uh, facts right. So again, showing you you that white people um, get uh, inequality uh, better. Okay. Um, Quickly on a potential explanation, I have. um, what I could or what could be kind of what could be a moderator here is the saliency of these concepts. Uh, there's no the um, um, psychological literature suggesting that the more you're concerned or the more you're concerned or the more you um, care about this uh, thing, the more you're actually likely to distort. Um, this is what, what we find in our data as well. Clearly, the, the more left-wing you are, the more you care about, the more you say that inequality is salient. It was from a, taken from a whole battery of, of um, questions we asked about saliency. Uh, and this then also has an effect on, your, um, on, <laughs> on the, on the on moderating this effect that I just showed you. So I wouldn't put too much emphasis on this black line, because there are really very few people um, with the, that say that inequality is not important at all. you what you clearly see what we see then here is the there's a certain um, variation according to uh, to saliency with the um with those um with a closer connection um between the two concepts for the non-salient ones but with a higher um bias especially visible here and also that the most yeah, the, the purple line, those that care the most about inequality, they are the most distorted ones. So actually what we see here is that the most uh, people most likely to see um, facts non, not right to distort um, uh, facts are the ones of left individuals um, who care about um open, yeah, care about inequality. And um, then bring to the consequences. Um, so perception, so here again, just the perceptions on resolution. So what I showed you the literature kind of just confirming early literature, suggesting that you no know, perceptions matter for to explain redistribution demand. Um, but we also find some effects for the um, for the bias. So the more you bias, uh, the more you kind of overestimate inequality, the more you're likely to um, demand resti- redistribution. Um, and the same holds true for the error in your own position. So the, the more you underestimate uh, your own position, the more likely you are to, to demand registration also kind of in the in the logic, um, in the logic of the model, but still the distortion um, present. Um, last, what we then tried to, to kind of get at now is the the, the, the um, How sizable are these consequences? uh, So if people would have kind of correct perceptions, would that actually matter? Would there be some different distribution for um, support or distribution? Um, It seems that not this would not change so much. Um, So this is um, a simulations uh, based on kind of um, showing you correct versus overestimation. Uh, And there's not much. So this is just the effect and this is the error. There would be there's some slight change, but um, but it seems that the macro evaluation of like, inequality um, doesn't matter. So the, the, the distortion there, do not matter too much to to um, shift um, redistribution bond. Where we find more effects are on the own position. Um, where here, if people would get invited, right, they would uh, there would be more um, or if they would not have this downward bias. You know, in their own positioning, would this would increase uh, demand for redistribution. Um, to conclude, um, the distortion. Yeah, um, this paper shows you hopefully that the distortions. There's some uh, distortions in perceptions, and they actually have an ideological twist. So ideology matters, and we um, we argue that it's this heuristics idea that um, people rely on heuristics to answer these fact-based questions, um, which would probably not be such a problem. Not um, not be a problem. Um, but there is also some. Um, there's some distortion within the, that some groups uh, distorted more, so the left, um, if you're a left individual, you're more likely to distort uh, facts than if you're white. Um, this has consequences for downstream attitudes, such as uh, redistribution, especially if your own position, the uh, own position seems uh, influential. Um, so our results actually suggest that, uh, showed you at the very beginning, you know, that there was an experiment giving them partisan cues. And then then they show that this is what they rely on, but even in the absence of any ideological or parsing cues, people still rely on ideological beliefs when answering these fact based questions. Um, I think I leave it at that, unless you want to so hear something on the um, elite side, but we maybe also collect questions first. I don't know what you. Do-
2: How long would the elite, elite story long. oh wait oh wait okay New, yeah okay. if the if the elite story is like five to ten minutes maybe we can just do okay. all of once or
1: yeah so I'm um, just this is very brief and uh, based on, on, on various papers uh, we have also on the topic so I mean I mean what's what's um um, what's clear is that public elites are actually an important actor in this whole redistribution game. You know? if, if actors, if they don't redistribute according to what the public wants, you know? if they do something different, then we also don't see redistribution as, an, as, a, as a result. Um, what's also su- what's surprising, when we started this project, that there's actually quite little known about um, their um, their ideas about inequality or their evaluations and their justifications. You know? so also don't really know much if they um, inequality as a fair outcome if they believe in trickle-down effects and so on so this is something we also uh, look at in in this larger project and there's some other projects also looking uh, at this now um some expectations we have regarding this link no so so first we would um probably see that they are more at least would have more structured and coherent belief systems so we would this would say that they, they uh, this would suggest that ideological beliefs and um, Attitudes towards inequality should be should be more tightly linked. There's some competing expectations on whether the distortion should be larger or smaller. No, there's some work suggesting that the, that elites actually suffer much more from this um, from these psychological effects um, uh, than than others um, <coughs> than than normal citizens. No, they fall also for these um, psychological effects and so on. Um, on the other hand, you would expect that. Hopefully they have a bit of better um, they know more about political facts and therefore maybe they know more about inequality. So um, I would say that they're competing expectations, but they're more or less distorted. Uh, What's well, clear that they should um, ideology, ideology should probably be more close-knit. Um saliency should probably act as a moderator again uh, with the um, with the uh, idea over that um, again, that um, economic inequality is probably a more salient topic for left-wing politicians. Um, what I show you is, uh, what I quickly show you is something on, on number two, some, on the second expectation, and something on the last expectation, namely that if the if higher saliency, um, it's probably also more harder to change than their attitudes. Um, what we have here is, so this is all data for the Swiss case uh, at the moment. What I have here, i uh, am quickly show you the so this is data from this um, Rep project uh, by two colleagues uh, of mine in Geneva, where, where they surveyed national and regional MPs, actually uh, quite many, uh, and then they had a, sim- had a uh, corresponding uh, probability sample of citizens. Um, so you have, the, you can directly compare. So you have similar, the same questions for elites and citizens. Um, and what you see here, so what we try to do is here, um, we, um, see the dependent variable is fairness of inequality, So the question. Whether the, uh, you, you see in quality is a fair outcome or not. And what you see here is that the socioeconomic status space of all, but then here the influence of, um, of the uh, ideology uh, is much larger for elites. This is also visible if you do this um, blind Oaxa decomposition models, where they show that actually, yeah, so the connection between uh, ideology and um, fairness. Here is larger than is larger for the citizens, for the elite, elite than for the citizens. Um, yeah, so they're more coherent in their belief structure. Um, probably that's what this what this liquid just shows you. Um, then a second a very brief um, slide on very brief insights on a, um, on some experimental work we did with um, political elite in Switzerland again, so local politicians this time. Um, where we try to, uh, where we um, influence their deservingness, or try to inf- or prime them on this deservingness of the poor. Uh, what's visible here is that um, the so the desom heterogeneous uh, treatment effects by ideology, um, especially that the um, the white wing. So that we see a larger effect for the white wing politicians, which probably makes sense now because it's as I said, it's, it's less salient for them. It's more like they're more likely to to probably change uh, as a result of uh, an experimental intervention. Um, so, what we can say um, on the elites, yeah, so there's much um, stuff still to be done, and I'm actually yeah, trying to, well, I'm currently designing some more uh, experimental uh, experiments on, on this effect so to get more closer to this effect for the, um, for the elites. I'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, thank you, Natalie, uh, for this uh, uh, exciting uh, set of, uh, of studies and results. Um, for those of you who are listening uh, um, online who don't have the right to speak up, uh, you can uh, type your question in the uh, QA box and then uh, I will read it out loud. And, uh, Natalie, you can actually read along in the QA box. Um, so, while uh, people might be thinking about their question, uh, I, I have I have a question, Natalie, about about the implications that you draw here on in relationship to the sort of partisan screen argument, right? That that uh, that literature by uh, Cheryl Boudreau and others that 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 argues that people follow cues and and express opinions in uh, to maybe avoid some sort of cognitive dissonance or something, and you say, well. Here in the absence of cues, we also see the evidence of the, the partisan screen or the ideological cues. but my question is how, how can we, how do we know this in the in the, with the design of the study that you have that this is evidence for a partisan. Because it seems that that there could be a host of alternative explanations that could also explain why we see this effect in absence of cues.
1: Yeah, so yeah thanks uh let me clarify it's a very good question it's not that it's not the direct evidence obviously it's simply kind of indirect um so we this is uh, as, as you all notice no, this is only uh, observational work so we know we can't really talk about causality. um it's simply that we also wanted to have it on a, so the, the survey was attended to also cover a, a large variety of countries and so it was not really physical to do a lot of um experiments but this is um, to really get at the at the cause, mechanism of course we need uh, we need experiments. I have some ideas uh, on uh, how to do them. Uh, for example, we could you know in, we, we could um, influence uh, or treat the saliency of the topic. Actually, I think we have even some um, we have um, results from a different type of experiment which we could use for this um, for this um, to study this effect further. Um, so yeah changing, um, yeah, changing saliency to see what effects Tap on the on the link
2: between the two. Yeah, excellent. Um, just a reminder, if you could type your questions in the Q&A box and not in the chat or other places. Um, people here in Amsterdam that want to ask a question, because I have, on this.
0: I, I have a, a very, uh, perhaps a silly question, but I wonder what was the reason why you focus on uh, economic inequality, and not in other forms of
1: inequality, such as, for example, access to opportunity? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, this, yeah, this is a good question. So we don't actually we don't even focus on uh, economic um, inequality only. So we have a lot of questions on uh, on uh, uh, inequalities and opportunities. We have a lot of questions on fairness that a, PhD, a student of mine is now. Uh, is currently uh, writing his PhD thesis on. So the um, the um, the reason we focus on the economic inequality is simply because it has this the kind of the direct link now to to the politics of the the, the whole um, original political economy um, literature focuses on on this concept. But I agree, there's even literature showing that if you simply tell people what. If you simply ask people what they think, or kind of you know these cognitive interviews, if you if you tell them inequality, they they not not all of them at least think about economic inequalities. Also, uh, things related to opportunities, uh, uh, related to gender. So that actually people probably have a more broader idea of what inequality means. But this is why I um, or one of the critiques I have on this on these graphical displays they have in the um, ICP because they don't really say something about whether well, this is now about economic inequality or about the society as a whole. Excellent.
2: Okay. Um, next question that was asked in the chat, which I take as an exception. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the question is from Roderick. Uh, uh, I- I'm working on the same question at the moment, and I have administered an item, well, this is why it's more difficult, and I have administered an item on perceived income inequality in the Dutch parliamentary election study last year. I, however, asked, it's difficult this month, I, however, asked respondents directly to estimate the ratio between the lowest and the highest 10%, Uh, no way. I directly estimate the ratio between the lowest and the highest 10%. The estimated, wait, I just, sorry. Inequality? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The estimated inequality was a lot lower than in your findings. So perhaps we can think some time about what might explain these differences.
0: I think the chair of the parliament would now ask, uh, what is the question? (laughs) 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 Uh, Yeah.
2: I'm not Roderick, so um well, maybe Roderick can type this question yeah.
0: in the QA box. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean I have some ideas by the diff not it there's some literature showing that if you, you know, the notice anchoring bias, if you ask them about ratios, they always kind of it's lower than if you ask them separate questions. So this right. you no, know, and there's a uh a paper by um Diana Moots and Peterson showing that this, for example, uh, is this is a big problem in the in the um, ISIS data that, that's often used to, to study questions of inequality. But maybe he has a uh, yeah, that's other ideas.
2: Excellent. the second question from voting which is in the Q a box thanks for that. Um, <laughs> my second question is to what extent do you think belief certainty matters for the relevance of such perceptions I personally think it might not matter so much but others like Flynn at all think it does look it's much easier in the Q a box <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes um, yep yeah. I mean belief certainty um, probably yeah I mean we find some effects on um you know, uh, on education and so on sophistication that we have questions on that uh the, we haven't really explored that yet but we I could imagine that people with uh, or yeah, that some of these covariates may playing there um, the i would maybe it's not believed certainly but but the saliency certainly matters you now as I showed you a little bit and this is something we want to explore also further um how yeah, personal identity matters, um, especially for the consequences, no, of these beliefs. Christian, yeah. yes, that's a
0: question. Yeah, I would have a question, um, especially going back to the overall research puzzle that you stated in the beginning, where you're Linked it to um, a surprising low demand for this distribution. I was wondering how that links to, for instance, the experience. And some studies have shown that people constantly um, overestimate the share of, let's say, refugees or Muslims in the neighborhood, which is a very high saliency issue. That's constantly, or at least in the last couple of years um, before Corona. Um, so, how does saliency on the on the on the on the larger level, on the societal level, drive this misperception? um
1: yeah um i guess what uh what comes into play here is yeah it's the the type of question asked i mean what we find is also that they overestimate on average the overestimate inequality but probably this also has to do with the fact that we ask about this 90th percentile um which probably some people at least take for the 99th percentile no, there's a, a huge skewness at the end of the distribution no so the the ninth and ninety, the ninth, possibly the ninetieth and one at the ninety fifth or 99th, ninth. This is, yeah, way, uh, way apart. Um, and I, I could imagine that the overall overestimation has to do also has, might be also a result of the, the question asked, um, because other studies um, find um, that at least some studies find that people underestimate in the US, especially uh, in quality. Um, people are notoriously not very good in these factual questions, no, also about refugees um, or about other, um you know, recently we saw something on the, the <coughs> um, kind of reasons uh, to die. People also kind of are not really, we're not really good in, in these factual questions. Probably what matters um, here again is, so sadience is to me, so on the one hand, it, it's, um, Linked to this confirmation bias, that probably you kind of more likely to distort things that they fit into your worldview. On the other hand, there might also be a motivation to inform yourself more about these topics. No, so the, if you're interested in in in, uh, in in immigration, you might also read more stuff about it and get uh, get more information. Of course, then it depends whether this information is balanced or non or not or partisan <laughs> to start with, which then again has some effect. But yeah, the saliency, has uh, a this double effect. That's my punch at the moment. But I have I should do more, um, re- I have to do more research on this.
0: Christian, you have a follow-up question? I- yeah, I just have a very small additional question. Just out yeah. of pure curiosity, um, in your survey, in your data set, um, are, are uh, right-wing people richer than left-wing people? <laughs> <laughs> um- <laughs>
1: this is how we have it so what we so what i can say we, we have a uh we have quotas by the detail quotas by income which costs us a lot of money you know because that's kind of what makes this survey different from a normal um almost like normal <laughs> from other um online surveys that we, we saw that if we look if we want to look in questions of economic inequality yeah we need really the rich and the poor um i think the rich are on average more wing yes um but there is also a so, the, 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 so when we plot stuff by income groups, it's a top, for, for this fairness question. For example, we see that the the the, the richest decile um, they completely off the the rest. So the, they really the, the super rich or the, the rich somehow uh, they really have a different perceptions of the world than than the rest of the population. Yeah.
2: Excellent. Okay, we switch to the Q&A box again, Uh, there's first a question from Matthijs Roduin. Thank you, Nathalie. Very interesting study. I have a question about your dependent variable. We as social scientists can all understand what is asked here, I hope. Uh, But isn't this question rather complicated for many respondents? The question itself might be a little complicated, in particular for the lower-educated citizens. Moreover, I could imagine that also many people who do understand the question itself have no idea about the distribution of household incomes, while at the same time being relatively knowledgeable with regard to the general and degree of income inequality in their country and could you tell us more about the validity of your dependent variable.
1: yeah I agree it's not not an easy task Um, we. um, We haven't done a lot of of validation studies, because there's not, um, I mean what we can do is. um, to relate it to these no sophistication questions and so on, um, probably it will turn out that the uh, higher sophisticated will have a better clear idea. What um, um, we just what we the kind of the motivation to ask in this way was to that people probably have some or if they compare themselves to others it's it's in terms of, of kind of how much they earn or how much the others might not earn. Um, it's not it's not in terms of shares. know what what has been done a lot in the literature and public this has to do with the fact that there's also data on the shares. So here you would say that how kind of what's the share of the total income, which we don't really know what the total income is, how what's the share of, of the earnings of the rich or the, the poor? Um and it's what this uh the reasoning in terms of share is probably not what people do. Um we um I as I mentioned it's not kind of the, the it's, it's not the best solution ever. Probably to ask this way, um, we ask. Uh, we did some pre-tests on this um, with different um, different question formats. This turned out that the one that took first the least time for them to answer um, and and kind of showed the, the best scores um, on in terms of, of quality. But yeah, it's not. Um, it yeah. I if I could redo the survey, probably I would ask. I would just give some. Which give some estimates and then let them choose uh, among a range of, of um, estimates maybe something that they don't have to type, that they, they have a wide idea where to, yeah, you know, put themselves. But yeah, um, this is what we have at the moment.
0: You have a question? Yeah, uh, I wanted to go back to the classic uh, political economy models, Mula, Muna Wallerstein and uh, Meltzer Richard. I mean, but they, I, I don't think I ever really understood those papers, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I think uh, their core argument has always been that it's, it's really the median income or the median voter at the median income that that matters. And, uh, um, and your measurement uh, is about the contrast between the, 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 the 10 versus the 90%. And I wonder if that's the relevant contrast. Uh, I mean, if, if you take the analogy of the boat, that you showed at the beginning of your presentation, it's the middle class that is screaming, right? So it's the middle position, um, the middle man, the middle woman that, that that matters there. The lower class is already dead, mm-hmm. and, um, um, and, yes. and 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 to build upon Matthias's question, that's actually that might, maybe that income is actually even harder to. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 to guess, then the lowest income, because that, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's some sort of absolute lowest threshold of what you could make. Um, so I, I, wonder if you've looked at um, uh, different operationalizations of this variable, and if this, 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 including this middle value matters or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have an estimate of the median income, um, so we. Um, not for this paper, but we did some quantum analysis also to kind of the low end inequality that would be the difference between the poor and the median or the top end inequality. Um, so this um certainly is something we could also do for, for this paper here. Um it's yeah, people get the yeah, I think that the the one with the largest uncertainty is really the high, the top income. Um and in, but yeah, but this is then also the one that's, um, so if you ask them, just ask separately about the fairness of the top towards the top and towards the bottom, and you see clearly that the top income, that's where that people, or more people say that this is an unfair um, distribution of income. But that's that's a good point. We could uh, do a robustness test and see if it can the same results hold if we take the median instead of the extreme ratios, yeah.
0: Okay,
2: uh, Natalie, uh, there's a question from uh, Luca Verstegen in the QA box. Um, thanks, Natalie, for your talk. I'm wondering whether you can measure distortions in the sense of implicit misperceptions with explicit survey items. Don't you rather measure respondents' attitudes about inequality? For, him, for example, if I, as a respondent, want to fight inequality, I will tell researchers that I see inequality.
1: Um. Yes, so this is um of course we can't be, so we know that they they kind of stay off they're not perceiving uh inequality correctly but this is a uh, something that we leave firmly in the sense of a of a misperception um, It's not something we can directly measure with this survey um I would argue it's probably a, a mixture of ignorance and um kind of and misperception of um uh yeah open, open um, this, yeah, open um, disagreement with what, what's out there. Um, yeah, so the if I, if I as a respondent to provide plenty, I will tell you, I see, yeah, um, we can actually test whether they, um, they want to take action, so we have a lot of, of um, items also, not only in redistribution, but also on other um, Attitudes. We can we could test that, but I yeah, I would say it's, it's a mixture of of both. So and the um, only experimental uh, research, of course, can then disentangle whether it's a firmly held attitude or whether it's more just a matter of um, not knowing the answer and then relying on heuristics. Mike has a question. She's here
2: in the room in Australia.
1: Yes. Uh, thanks. Actually, uh, really nice no talk. Um, I was wondering um, what you said something about in the beginning of your presentation, you said that if uh, you give people information, like correct information about the distribution that didn't really affect their perceptions. So I was wondering, um, do you think there would be a way to sort of correct these distorted perceptions and could you explain a little bit more why giving information wouldn't work? I know. Personally, I don't think that. that information will do the trick, because for me, it's more motivational, um, or there's, um, there's a there's a motivational story also behind. So this is also what this literature shows don't that. He, he, um, if you give them information, it doesn't matter much. Um, I don't know what my in so can, you can still hear me. right? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'm just
0: visually, you seem to be stuck in a thought, but uh... <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. I, yeah, strange. Um, problem is, I I switch my camera off, then sometimes there's problems to restart. Anyway, um, yeah. So um, for so for me, information will not. So providing more information will not do the trick because it's also about the motivation um, for for individuals to to get informed about it. Um, and this and then it's a very um artificial setting no if you just tell them look uh, inequality is this and this in your country um it's not yeah that how how much effect then this has on their on the long term also and on on how much do these people then incorporate this information um is yeah no not very clear and this is what the um the and al study shows it doesn't have uh, a wall there's not no consistent effect on support for resolution.
2: Nothing. Um, I, I, I have a, a question and it, it relates a little bit to the goes back to the perceptual screen uh, idea. Um, because how I read some of the work that that. Came out on this sort of perceptual screen uh, on and factual misperception was that the original idea is it's, it's partly expressive responding. So, uh, Bullock and Prior in studies showed that if you get, offer people incentives, then actually uh, the misperceptions went down, uh, which which was then sort of seen as evidence. Well, look, it's it's uh, it's actually people actually don't have a distorted view. It's actually uh, it's they're just expressing their partial loyalties. More recently, uh, Martin Biscardt from Arus said, well, wait a second, yeah, that might be true, but then it still matters because it matters how people attribute the blame in the misperceptions. So my question is this, if we think about the misperceptions here or the perceptions and its consequences, um, are we then partly mixing expressive responding with that blame that is being attributed and if that is true, what would be the way to disentangle uh, these two possible explanations uh, that could be in this misperception effect?
1: Yeah, uh, very good question. So um, I don't think we can, so from the, the question that we analyze uh, right now, we can't do that. But I, I fully agree that the attribution of the blame is an important step. And this is something I um, we actually have detailed questions uh, about in the survey. So the, mm. One idea I uh, I had um, and I have not really written on yet is that the that yeah this, exactly this attribution phase might also be various things go wrong. No? if if citizens think that inequality is something that kind of an outcome of the of market forces and there's anyway no, nothing you can do about it, uh, why should then they kind of yeah re- react to a growing inequality with a vote for more redistribution? Um, and there we have um, um items on. And it, might, it would be interesting to see how these yeah, misperceptions then link also to this um, to, to the attribution uh, if kind of if for some so we have we asked about the um, attribution um, to the government and to big uh, companies um, separately so we could different disentangle, disentangle that a bit but yeah
2: Yes, and and just very briefly follow up before I hand over the floor to Gijs, Uh, I think there also the left-right differences should show up, right, the people on the left should have very different ideas of who's responsible for creating this inequality compared to the people on the right, so rather than regressing the one sort of outcome variable on the other, I guess that that the left-right and this attribution of responsibility give you a lot more traction in, in where do these ideological differences then come from? Is it, uh, it it's corporations and or uh, people's own uh, people's own uh, lack of effort uh, in, uh, in in making being successful or something like that? So yeah,
0: I think that's that's great that you've asked these questions. Uh, uh, Gees, I hand over to you.
2: I believe you still had a question.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, uh, very briefly. Um, you've clustered or you pulled all the the countries together. Uh, can you say something about? Um, uh between country
1: differences. Yes, uh, we actually, we have a slide, uh, I don't know, yeah. Anyway, so, but we, yeah, we, we for this paper, we simply explore the, the kind of cross-country differences as a robustness test and it shows that it's actually it's um, kind of a more or less universal pattern, what that we see. Um, of course, it's slight variation. It's, a, it's, of course, nice that we have this 14 country, but then it's also a bit, um, uh, it's a, bit of a difficult number, no? so you can not do much in terms of statistical analysis with this 14 but still uh, there's a lot of, yeah. of different contexts to cover. But, yeah. as,
0: as a very general point, um, I think, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how far you are with, with writing this paper, but, but on average, I think the evidence for uh, uh, your uh, paper looks for your argument looks a lot stronger if you present them as separate analysis. I mean, if you replicate the same effect in six or seven different countries, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot stronger evidence for your mm-hmm. claim than that you find an effect in one country which is very strong and then not in all of the other six. But you know, the whole pool thing is statistically significant, and you never know this from a multi-level or time series cross-sectional time series model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are we are so accustomed to to pooling everything together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it actually hides the strength of your argument, particularly when you say that you've replicated or you find the same effect in each of these countries. So, yeah. Okay, um, that with that, that's the also the, the uh, end of today uh, because it's it's four o'clock. Uh, and I want to thank you, uh, Natalie, for this really interesting uh, presentation, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to talking more about this in the next uh, few months here in, uh, in Amsterdam. Um, and uh, you already have our, our coffee mm-hmm. mug, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll <it> next time. <laughs> you have a fill up with beer the next time. Yes, the <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, let me just uh, take uh, one minute to announce uh, the schedule for the next few weeks. Uh, so next week uh, we have Israel Weismel Weismel Manor and uh, we'll probably learn the correct pronunciation next week. <laughs> he's from the University of Heidelberg. and will give a talk titled, From Corruption to Cyberspace. Uh, same place, same time. Um, fe- the, w- the week after, February 4, Christoph van Eck uh, from the, uh, the Corporate Communication Group here in Amsterdam will talk about conceptualizing online climate change polarization, um, uh, which is a talk about her recently defended PhD dissertation. And then uh, 11th February, we have Amri Godefraut uh, uh, who is currently uh, at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, and we'll talk about the, uh, uh, um, the topic how uh, terrorism is changing us. And uh, uh, the last talk in February will be February 18, uh, uh, graduate Friday uh, with Maike Homan and Chiara uh, and Micah will talk about the consequences of emotional politicians in a conjoined experiment. Uh, and I can tell you, we've already analyzed the data this week, and it looks uh, uh, really exciting. Lots of stars. Lots of stars. <laughs> <laughs> All in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, Kiara, who's uh, from the University of Bern, will get a talk titled Personality in Political Information Consumption The Mediating Role of News use, use Motives. Okay, uh, I'm really looking forward to these meetings, and I hope you do too, and I hope to see you there. And uh, uh, for now, I wish you a great weekend.
1: Thanks so much, Rami, and see you all.
0: Yeah, hope so. <laughs>